Welcome to my testimony, and today we have a special guest. Yes, Nicole Loyton. Nicole, uh, welcome to my testimony. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and we we can't we can't wait can't to get wait into to this testimony. Yeah, uh, we know your story a little bit. Kind of know it, so I know we're gonna we're gonna. You're official now because you're on my testimony, and we're gonna. <laughs> We're going to get your story out there to the world, and I know it's a beautiful testimony, and a lot of people are going to be blessed by it. So welcome again to my testimony. Thank you. So before we get into my testimony, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for this day that you have provided for us. We thank you for Nicole. We thank you for her testimony. We pray as she shares today that uh, the words that she will share with us will be the words from you. And that you will put on her heart the things that you want her to talk about. And for us, the viewers, to experience today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so Nicole, tell us a little about, bit about yourself. Introduce yourself to us. My name is Nicole Loyton. I was born in a little town in Jamaica uh, called Mount Rosa in St. Catherine. I grew up very poor. I used to sell ripe bananas on the roadside to get enough lunch money for school the next day. I we didn't have electricity, so I would have to watch TV at my neighbor's house, or um, you know go there to to socialize with my friends. And I we never had running water, so we used to have to walk miles and miles to get buckets of water so that we could shower. Um, so that was my upbringing. Um, I was born in that small, tiny town. And then I, God moved me out of that situation and brought me to several other places. I've experienced several other great things in my life. And here I am now. So you grew up in that small town and then for some reason you, you end up at um, Northern Caribbean University. Um, how, how did that happen? How did that happen? Yeah. So I, so Northern Caribbean University is, uh, is an, advent, an Adventist university in Jamaica. It's the only Adventist university. And um, I, I liked it, but my first preference was the University of the West Indies. Now, I wanted to study mass communication, mm -hmm. but in order to get into UWE, you needed to have had mathematics in the CXC examinations. Um, and I did not pass CXC math, 
Mm. Um, and so that already would have disqualified me. And I would also needed to have done A-level courses, higher courses to get into that program. So it was easier to get into Northern Caribbean University. And so that's why I went to that school. And the rest is history, as they would say. Right, right. So, and uh, you did not grow up Adventist, right? And now you end up at the Adventist, Adventist school. So how was that experience for being a non-Adventist and going to an Adventist university? It was pretty interesting. Um, I think that was my first real exposure to Adventism. I've heard about it. Um, as a matter of fact, Adventists, they are the largest denomination in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. One in three Jamaicans are Adventists. So um, we all know about Adventists. But I've, I never, I wasn't really exposed much to that world. I grew up Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. And so it was a completely different world. So in my mind, I was just going to go to this school to get an education and then just leave. Mm -hmm. um, so I went there. And when I went there, I was very perturbed because the, the school is already very expensive. Here I am, a poor girl from the country. Mm -hmm. um, my mother could can hardly make ends meet. I'm coming to this school and then I'm flooded with all these theology courses that I have to do. Mm -hmm. And these courses are very expensive and I had absolutely no interest in the life and teachings of Christ, of Daniel, of Revelation. These right. are all courses right. that I had to do. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm just here for a mass communication degree. Why do I have to study quotes from LNG? Why? Why do I have to know the book of education back and forth? Right. And so I was very angry. Also, I wasn't a vegetarian. And then you are not allowed to bring meat on campus. You cannot wear jewelry. You cannot wear pants. It was like, wow. what did I sign myself up for? Okay. Wow. And um, and so it, it it was very hard for me um, the first the first year. As a matter of fact, for it was difficult for the entire four years that I was there um, because it was completely different from what I knew and my way of life. Um, so that was my experience going going there. Did you actually go to church? What? Yes, because we lived on dorm. And so in order to have lunch on Sabbath, you you would have had to go to church. <laughs> so 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 no no church, no lunch. No food. No church, no lunch. <laughs> but what we used to do, we used to we used to pretend as if we went to church. So we would get dressed in long skirts. Right. <laughs> and then, and then we the would, line. <laughs> we join the line. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so it was pretty interesting. So once you lived on dorm, it was mandatory that you had to go to church. Mm -hmm. And it was also mandatory that you had to go to chapel during the week. Mm -hmm. um, so you just had to. There was no way around it. But of course, we found ways around it. Yes. And and even if you 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 find you found a way to escape that, mm -hmm. you would have to do that you have to do a course named Daniel, you have to do Revelation, you have to do the life and teachings of Christ, you have to do gifts of prophecy. So you you these courses were a part of everyone's curriculum. I always tell people if you look on my my transcript, you would think that I was a theology major. Wow. <laughs> but um mm -hmm. in the end, I am so appreciative. At the time I could not appreciate it, but I could say it has changed my life. 
So so fast forward, you you graduated from um, from university, right. and then a very interesting thing happened with you. Um, you started working in uh, journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that experience in which you go into Grenada and what happened. Yeah. So after I finished NCU, finished my mass communication degree, I was very proud of that. Very happy about that. Um, then I worked actually before even Grenada. I worked in Jamaica um, with the Gleaner newspaper for a while. The Gleaner is the largest newspaper in the English speaking Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And I worked with the um, radio station and, and then eventually I uh, went to work in Grenada. I actually went there to cover the elections in 2008 as a political reporter okay. Um, okay. at the time. and. When I went there, it was very hostile, um, for want of a better word. And I was arrested by the Grenadian government Mm -hmm. and ordered deported out of that country. Wow. And um, I I always say that that is the highlight of my career. (laughs) Why did they arrest you? So according to them, I was in the country, I was working in the country illegally um they say well in the caribbean how we write dates we we write the we write the date yeah. then the month then the year yeah. and 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 um it's written the other way around um in the us so they had stamped my passport um for 0208 but really it should have been 0802. So there was some misunderstanding. So I thought that it was seven months that I I had in the country, but like a few days after the the so-called expiration, Mm -hmm. they sent several immigration authorities to come and pick me up, which was pretty ironic because the truth is I did not need a work permit to be in Grenada. once you're a journalist, you pretty much could travel anywhere exactly. and cover stories. Right. And also, as part as part of the Caribbean agreement with certain professions, mm-hmm. we, we are covered under this thing called the Caribbean single market and economy. So certain professions could go to any Caribbean island and work. Mm-hmm. So it was strictly more, um, politically motivated. It was, it was an election season. I was digging up a lot of stuff, getting into a lot of stuff that I should not be exposing. Mm-hmm. And so they came for me. But what's things like that brings me, gets me excited though. So my poor, <laughs> my poor mother. Oh my so so, so <laughs> you, that, that was kind of like a little adrenaline rush for you, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. So I called my poor mother because I knew, I knew what they were doing. And I called my mother and I said, mommy, you're going to see me in the news. You're going to hear a lot of stuff, but don't worry. I am, I am fine. Like I'm, I'm, but it was, it, um, that, that whole thing just took my career off to another level because I was, it, it brought a lot of attention on freedom of the press. Okay. Um, the, the, the Jamaican government got involved and they demanded an answer from the, the Grenadian authorities. Uh-huh. Um, I was being interviewed on radio stations and um, newspapers all over the um, Caribbean mm-hmm. and here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. We had I had Reporters Without Borders, who is like the watchdog for freedom of the press in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're based in Paris. 
Right. They sent us a press release demanding answers um, for my arrest. And um, it was, <laughs> I mean, I still find it funny to this day. In the end, the the the, the government at the time, they, 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 they didn't admit that they made an error, but they they said that, okay, they were allowing me to stay. Right. But it was all political right. and it, it comes with the territory. But I mean, if you know my personality, I could handle anything. Right, right. <laughs> and, um, and actually, I think you, you told me that you got invited back after yeah. a year or so. So, so. so, yeah. So after that whole thing happened and... Um, of course, I went back to, I, I went back, I was employed in Grenada for a year after that to be a communication consultant with the government, wow. um, the government information system. Right. And then I left. And then the same government who had, who was ordering me deported, they had me come back in for, um, because they had gone in opposition at the time. So when they won a couple of years later, mm-hmm. I was invited back. And I, I was put up at a five-star hotel. And if you could research the local newspapers, I was on the front page with the prime minister. Sipping uh, <laughs> sipping some, I think it was champagne at the time. <laughs> but it was very, 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 very interesting. And um, I could say that my mother prayed me out of media, prayed me out of Grenada, prayed me out of journalism. <laughs> because... Her heart couldn't handle it. And um, I don't even know how, how I'm not doing it anymore because I really love I love it. I love the excitement of it. <laughs> but I guess my mother's prayers were answered and so I'm here. So you um you moved to Florida and then um something something happened. You 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 fell into a little bit of a depression, you told me. Because you you why did, doing... why did you come to Florida in the first place? Why Florida? Well, my mother and my sister were in Florida, so I I came here first, and then I um I got an offer to have my own radio show, so I did that for a while um, as well, and so I then I decided to stay. My mother begged me so hard; she started filing for my immigration papers. She's like, you, you, you have, you need to settle down. And I think for her, she thought I needed to settle down. She thought that I was getting older mm-hmm. and I was traveling all over the world, all over the place, doing crazy things and putting my life in danger. I was covering, covering stuff, gunshots in Jamaica, crime scenes. She was like, you need to settle down. You're not getting any younger, you know, and she, she just had enough. And I think her prayers were answered. Wow. And so when I came here, I, uh, I, I, the truth is though, I was kind of forced out of it when I came here because I came here in the recession in 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. And I remember sending out about 40 job applications to work at a radio station or a newspaper and nobody, I didn't even get one response, you know? And some of my friends were like, you know, you, you have an accent, like, no, but you, you won't be able to work here, you know, you sound different and, you know, and so then. I had my I started my own talk show for a while. I did that on radio. Mm-hmm. And then I real and then the in the recession it was just so hard and then I saw my sister doing nursing. Mm-hmm. And I had no interest in nursing at 
all because my mother has been trying to get me to be a nurse ever since I lived in Jamaica. And I said, no, I, I need to do mass communication. I want to be a journalist. That's what I want to do. So when I came here and things were so bad, I remember I was depressed for like one full year mm. because I I just couldn't find any anything to do. Right. And um, I just basically had to start over. Mm. And I said, God, I don't know. So I basically went into nursing not liking it. Like it's not, I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I wanted to be a nurse because I love people. I love caring for people. That's not my story. I went into nursing out of a need. Right. Like I was broke. I needed to make some money. Right. And I saw my mm -hmm. sister, she was a nurse. She was making all this money. And here I was struggling. Mm. So I didn't like it. I didn't know how I was going to deal with the 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 nasty stuff that I don't want to mention on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I'm like, God, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And I could say that, thank God. And I'm not recommending people do stuff for money, but I'm just sharing my testimony. That's why I did it. So I did it. And God is so awesome that I fell in love. I didn't know that I could love something so much. Like I absolutely fell in love with nursing. And I still see people to this day and they're like, how do you do media? You are a journalist. I know you, you're doing, you're a nurse. Like they don't get the connection. But God is faithful. I, I, I did it. I'm still a proud nurse today. And um, God is just good. That's all I got to say about that. Right, right. What was your spiritual life during this time? So, I was brought up in the church. I, um, my mother had me very young. My mother had me when she was 16 years old. So, my grandmother basically, I always tell people that my grandmother grew me and my mother together because we were both children. Right. And so, my grandmother was we used to live at church so i grew up pentecostal so what that means is that you go to church seven days per week right. i remember i've been going since i was two so you go sunday for for a regular church you go back at sunday night for sunday night service you mm -hmm. go monday for prayer meeting you go tuesday night for I don't remember. Then you go Wednesday for fasting. You go Thursday for testimony. Friday is youth night. And then we get Saturday off. So Saturday was the only day I didn't go to church. So I know church. Like we've, I've been doing church for years. Right. However, I never, I never committed my life to God. Partly because I, I wasn't really, I wasn't a believer in the doctrine uh, of the church that my grandmother went and I, and I and I knew that from early right so I didn't want to be a member of that church but I would I had to go because that's where my grandmother went and that's really all I knew but for some reason I knew that that's not where I want to go so I grew up in church and throughout my media career I, I would visit church but I wasn't really a Christian I was never a Christian then I went to NCU and everybody is trying to get me to be an Adventist, like everybody. Because as a matter of fact, they were pretty convinced that there was no way I would come to an Adventist university and leave and not be converted. Like, like that was unheard of. And even when I tell people now I went through that system and I wasn't convinced, they're like, they can't believe it. And, and part of that was because of the life that I saw. Um, 
I, I've just never seen Christians live like how I saw the Adventists at the school I went to. Because for them, during the week, it was just like normal. We would go to the clubs. They would do everything that I do. Right. They would do like everything. Mm -hmm. And then on Friday evening, I mean, the place just got quiet. Everybody got so holy. And Saturday, everybody was perfect. And then we were we were just watching that clock to see when is sunset, when is sunset, because we had to head out to the club. And so I, I it, 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 it didn't make sense to me because I was coming from another extreme, right? Mm -hmm. So I was coming from the Pentecostal world where, like, you can't even do nothing. Right. Nothing, right? right? Like you, it was just another extreme to this extreme where this, where these people are just like all the way out there. I'm like, what is going? You're not, you're not a Christian, are you a Christian? And so I, I wasn't, I wasn't. I, I kind of believe the doctrine though. Like deep down in my heart, I, I did see evidence that Saturday was the true Sabbath. Right. Um, but it still wasn't enough for me to say I wanted to be a part of you guys. Um, and, and so that was my, 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 my journey there. And then when I moved to Florida, I, I became a Christian. Um, I, be, I became a non-denominational okay. Christian. So I went to non-denominational church for several years. Right. And I was, a, mm -hmm. I was a pretty good Christian girl. Um, not perfect, but... But, but, but um, you know, I was trying to live a life that was pleasing to God. Where did you meet Andrew? <laughs> you mean the love of my life? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, right. So when I was going to this um, non-denominational church, one of the big, 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 big things for them was um, evangelism. Right? Evangelism. So we would be out in the streets in groups of twos, you know, ministering to people, giving out flyers, inviting people to church. Right. So two of the members of my church, they told me, and at the time, like, I was just so sold out for God, man. Like, I was on fire for Jesus. Like, my life was, like, completely, like, my life was just ministry. Like, whatever God wanted me to do, um, I was just there. And so I would drive my car around and I would pick up people. I was like a little shuttle bus oh, yeah. car. Pick up people who wanted to go to church, people who wanted Bible study. And so they told me that they had met three young men who want who were, who were interested in, in coming to Bible study. And they asked if I because we usually carpool because church was in Miramar, which was quite a distance from where we live. So I said, sure, I'll go get, get them. So at the time, Andrew worked in Weston and he was one of the young men that I went oh, to wow. pick up. Okay. And I can safely say, since I picked him up, he has never come out of my car again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I remember when I went to pick him up, I'll never forget, it was a water fountain. And when I saw him, listen, I never believed in the statement, love at first sight. I just thought that was some cliche thing that everybody say. But when I tell you that it was love at first sight, okay. listen, okay. it was love at first sight. Um, and and what's, what's, what's just, huh, what's so 
magical about the story is that at that time, I was not interested in no relationships with anybody because I had I had experienced a horrible heartbreak of a few years prior. Okay. And I said that I was not, I told God, close my heart, close, shut down everything. Mm. I'm not interested in nobody. Mm. Many, many, many men came. I to the point where my mother was like, what's wrong with you? You you you're getting older, you need to date somebody. I wasn't interested. And so when I saw him, though, something happened, which was just unbelievable. And my heart just melted, right? Mm. And I saw this tall, dark, handsome, slim, yeah. bow-legged yeah. guy <laughs> with some goggles. At the time, he wore goggles. <laughs> I mean, standing at the fountain, Okay. And he came in the car okay. and he, he, he still doesn't believe this, right? And I told him that one day when we go to heaven, God will tell him that I'm not lying, right? But when he came in the car, I knew he was my husband. He still doesn't believe oh, wow. that, right? But it's the truth. Wow. And, and and what happened when he came in the car, it's like God started opening his heart to me. Like I saw his heart. Like I, I saw... I saw who he was. I saw purity, like in, in that split second. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if this man was married. I didn't know if he had a family. All I knew was that he was my husband. Wow. And then when he spoke, oh my mm -hmm. God, he was, because I'm, I'm attracted to intellect too. I like people who could talk, you know, could have a good conversation. Mm -hmm. And then I was just so swept away. And of course, in the conversation, um, he didn't say, that he was a Christian. He didn't say which church he belonged to, but we were talking about Jamaica because he realized that I was Jamaican. Mm -hmm. And then I, I somehow told him I lived in Mandeville and I went to that university. And I remember saying okay. to him in the car, mm -hmm. I went to an Adventist university, but I will never, I would never become a Seventh-day Adventist. Wow. And at that time, had I known though that he was Adventist, I probably wouldn't have said that. I would have been, I would have been politically correct, but I didn't know. So right. I said that. So it's just right. amazing. Okay. And then that night when he came to the study, I was the teacher that night. I was actually teaching the Bible study. And this young man was so humble. Like he came and he and several other times he all he came after that. And he never shared his denomination or anything. He was just humble, like he was just a visitor. And the rest is history, as they would say. Right. Wow. Uh, but very interesting. Um, what, what did he ever tell you? What What drove him to come to that? Um, yeah. To be interested he... in the Bible study? Exactly. Yeah. Church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the time, he was going through a very, very difficult season, and mm. the two. Um, church members who had seen him and ministered to him, one of the things that they did, they prayed for him. Oh. And he said that that prayer, I mean, that's just one of the most powerful prayers he, has, he had ever experienced. And okay. like his heart just melted when when they invited him to come to, to, to visit their church and he oh. promised them that he would have come. So that's how that happened. He wasn't trying to find a new denomination i mean you know how hard it is to get an adventist to switch to anything right, else right, right. <laughs> so yeah. so that wasn't his intention he he, he just and that's what i love about my husband he's very open to 
right. to meeting new people and visiting and new experiences. So it would have been nothing for him to visit another person's church. Right. He wasn't threatened. Did he join your church for a little while? What did he do? So, so, what, so, so what happened after that, after I realized that he was Adventist, because he eventually told me a, a while after, because I was trying to get him converted to a Sunday church. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I did everything in my power to convince him to come over in the Sunday church because the truth is I liked him, right? He showed no interest in me, but I liked him and I didn't want us to be unequally yoked. So, okay. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say I, I don't want his salvation. I wasn't really concerned about his salvation though. I was trying to set him up for me. So, <laughs> I... <laughs> so listen, I'm just trying to get him to come to my church, right? Okay. But... That was not working at all. Wow. Okay. He was not, it was not, right. it was not happening. So he would visit, but that's all it was. So tell us, so, so how did how you does he actually yeah. get interested in you? What did you do, Nick? What did you have to do? <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> well, put it this way. I liked him. God told me that he was my husband. So I don't know what was taking so long for him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I invited him out to go to um to go to uh lunch or, or yeah, lunch, lunch with me. And mm -hmm. he came, but he wasn't he was, I mean, I didn't really say anything about a relationship, but I'm sure he knew that I liked him. Right, right. And we would we would um go out together and stuff like that. Uh, but for me though, he, I, I still thought he was moving too slow, but <laughs> because I'm like, look, God told me, right. That you're my husband. Like what's taking you so long. Right. But, right. but, and that was my immaturity. Cause I, I, at the time I did not recognize that even though God may say something, mm. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen right away. Yeah, right. But I, I wasn't mature enough to handle all of that information and I, and I think that is why sometimes God don't share everything with us because then sure. we're gonna run ahead of ourselves I just wanted to bypass the whole dating stage I was like come on let's get married let's get married my eggs are drying up but he wasn't there yet <laughs> and um and so we were friends for a long time and how he witnessed to me was like so strategic mm. he never like for a long time he never invited me to his church okay. and i was like so perturbed about it because i was like why don't you want me to come to your church is it that you have a girlfriend over there that you don't want because right. that's how i'm like why wouldn't you want to invite me to your church but what he said was that he didn't want to force me or he didn't want me to think that he was trying to convince me to do an, to be an adventist right which quite beautiful because remember I'm coming from an Adventist environment where I was being forced to do everything yeah. so right away he started to create a mind shift mm -hmm. and another thing that he did for me was that he showed me that there were actually Christian people who were Adventists mm -hmm. because for me I felt like people who were Adventists were not Christians like mm -hmm. they weren't serious it was just a group of people who just kept the Sabbath Mm -hmm. And that was the only commandment that was important to them. And they were not really, truly Christians. Wow. Mm. 
So here I meet this young man who was like the complete opposite of everything I knew. Mm -hmm. Listen, I've I've never, I've never, ever, ever met any male who told me that we are not going to have sex before marriage and meant it. Like I've never experienced that. And he was the first person I met who said that. Mm -hmm. And actually he meant every word. Right. And I'm like, well, I found him strange. I'm like, who, who is this guy? Is he for real? Is he normal? And listen, I was a Christian at the time, but I still wasn't really expecting that. Right. And um, he was just so decent. And he, he not only loved me and um, cared for me, but I realized that he was like that for everybody. Like he would open doors for people. He would just be this guy. I'm like, wow. So then I saw that, you know what? He was serious about God. He was so sold out for God. I'm like, wow. So there are actually people in the in Adventist, in the Adventist church who are Christians for real. Mm-hmm. And so that alone just 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 witnessed to me in a way that probably no Bible study could have. Mm-hmm. And then he said okay. to me, I want to expose you to my world. He said, give me an opportunity to show you a side of Adventism that you have never seen. Okay. And I'm like, okay, because here's the next thing. He already told me that he's not going to be unequally yoked with me, right? Like, oh. even if we were to end up in a relationship, he's not going to marry anybody who, who was unequally yoked, which at the time didn't make sense to me because I'm like, what do you mean? I'm a Christian. Mm. I could go, we could both go to church on Saturday and I could go on Sunday. But he was like, no, because what happens when we start having children? Like, which church are you going to go? So at that point, I was prepared (laughs) to do whatever it takes. But at the same time, deep down in my heart, though, I knew that it was the truth, right? Mm. I knew that. Saturday was the true Sabbath because even when I was going to Sunday churches, there was no pastor to this date who could ever explain to me why we don't keep the fourth commandment. Like mm-hmm. no explanation, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so deep down I knew it. I just didn't want to receive it. I didn't want to believe it. So I mm-hmm. kind of lived that life for so long. Mm-hmm. And, and then it became so suppressed mm-hmm. that I didn't even believe it anymore. So when I met him, and he kind of just brought back everything up and just, it was like, you know what? I can't even run from the truth anymore. And so I used to visit plantation with him and I absolutely loved it. I loved the people. Everyone was so friendly. Right. I met um, Elder Jonathan there who mm-hmm. um, invited me to his home right. for a small group study. And then before you know it, I went to California and I got baptized in the Adventist church. And here we are today. Amen. On my testimony. Amen. I know, right? <laughs> amen. Amen. Powerful, powerful story. Yeah. So what would you tell people that are searching for a church mm. that have had your experience of Sunday worship and have heard about the Adventist church and have shied away from it because they've had a bad experience? Right. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate that I have to say to those people try and know God for yourself mm. and and try and study the words for yourself. And, and I say it's unfortunate because 
The truth is we should live our lives in such a way right. that people should be able to look on us yeah. and see the truth. They, the Bible said, let your light so shine before man, so men so that they will see your good works mm -hmm. and glorify your father in, in heaven. But unfortunately, because of the kind of lives that we live as Christians, yeah. um, we, we do such a disservice to the gospel. Yeah. You know, I, I can't tell people anymore to, to look to look on the people in church, to look on us. I have to say, I have to say to them, just pray, study God's word for yourself, yeah. free of, of any preconceived ideas, mm -hmm. free, free of your cultural upbringing, free of tradition, and just search the scriptures with an open heart mm -hmm. and God will reveal the truth to you. And then when, when you are seeking because the Bible said those who seek will find, those who knock, it will be opened. God is going to yeah. send the right people yeah. in your path like he did for me, who is going to just make it the transition so much easier for you. And, and that's what I would say to them. Amen, wow. amen, amen. And then, uh, Nicole, we have, um, we're going to have to bring you back for part two because yeah. the story continues. You know, you and Andrew got married and then um caleb caleb miracle said, baby yep miracle baby caleb absolutely yeah that's a testimony within it within itself man but we just we just want to thank you so much for sharing with us today um this part one you know because we're going to definitely bring you definitely back have to bring you part back. two um yeah to um to just continue the story and um it's it's amazing how god has um used these different situations in your life to bring you to us at Plantation. And we really do appreciate you and Andrew yeah. and the powerful ministry that you guys are involved with, with us, with the children's ministry and everything that you guys yeah. do. And it's just uh, it's just amazing. I, I just I just love hearing testimonies like this, man. Because I just see the journey, you know, where it started and where it is today. So yeah, so thank you again for thank you guys for having us, me. You know? Don't the usual prayer. <laughs> okay. Loving Father, we thank you so much for this testimony that you've allowed us to hear, to see how your hand has been in her life yes. and literally taken her from knowing what it means to truly serve you to actually acting it out. Amen. And I thank you, God, for her family. I thank you for the way that you allow her to minister so beautifully with implantation, the things that she touches, the things that she she just honors you with the things that she does and i thank you so much for the way that you continue to work in her life and in her family and i ask that this testimony would just be an example to all those that are trying to search to find you that they'll be able to be encouraged to know that they can find you once they give their whole hearts to you and look for you it's our prayer in jesus name amen 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 all right, Amen. Nicole, thank you so much again. Uh, give all thank regards you. to uh, to Andrew. Tell him to tell him to get ready because get he's gonna ready. be he's gonna be with you with part two. <laughs> we look forward. All right, all right. So take care. Yeah, take care. We'll talk soon. All right, bye bye. bye, -bye.